wide to Blanco. Blanco sending it in. was a 2-1 loss for Toronto FC against the Portland Timbers. Now, Gareth, the word for today was disconnected for the Red. Timbers. I'm Jason. I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Timbers. We talk a little bit about soccer, beer, and pretty much whatever else we want. Pretty much. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. Good. Gorgeous, sunny Sunday. Yeah, beats the hell out of being in Wyoming. Yeah, they got a little uh, snow going, kind of crazy snow, huh? <laughs> they, they got snow, they've got road closures due to high winds. It's crazy. Yeah. I saw uh, Bozeman has having a uh, blizzard, full blizzard in effect in Bozeman. Yeah, it's crazy. I talked to my mom this morning. She said it was snowing at 8.15. Well, not here, kids. Here, we've got nothing but sunshine and flowers. Beautiful. Bumblebees. <laughs> birds. No? I'm not walking down that path with you. I reversed the order. Yeah, I know, but I know where you were going. What? It's just birds and bees. Exactly. They do stuff. <laughs> birds and bee stuff. Crazy fool. <laughs> what are we drinking? we got a little mystery beerage here, so... Something glowing in my glass. Well, see, the beauty of it is I can't tell you what you're drinking until after we finish the second one. Oh, really? Because this is going to be a kind of a side-by-side comparison. Now, the two beers aren't aren't the same beers, okay? but they're similar styles, um, and that's probably even a stretch, but yeah. Very clear. Some good fizz popping on this. Um, Kolsch-esque. That's what I'm getting. That's what you're getting. I'm getting Kolsch-esque. Okay. <laughs> Is th- this better not be <laughs> chalada? <laughs> a whole lot of chalada. This better not be a freaking chalada. That'd be freaking hilarious. Don't waste my motherfucking time! No, it's not red. Yeah, thanks, Matt, no. for the chilada. Appreciate that. That's coming out on Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo taste test. Doing a little Cinco de Mayo taste test for the next podcast, and it's uh, next episode, and it's going to be a good time. Oh, boy. We're doing nothing but tequila and chiladas. Getting wrecked. Hoo-ah! <laughs> so... Well, so uh, Timbers are on a roll. Two-game win streak. Yeah, we can actually call it a streak now that they've got two. Yeah. 3-1 against Columbus and against Toronto today, or I guess yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. 2-1. Two 2-1. To one. Two to one. Ebo. Who else scored? Tulema. Yeah. heard in the highlights there. Tuliomas was freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that little karate kick. Well, Ebo's was, too. I mean, that flying header. Well, yeah, diving header. I mean, both of those are probably in contention for goal of the week. Yeah. Well, so does this change your opinion on what's going on with those timbers? No. (laughs) See, does this mean that Gio is a crazy magician? Sold his soul to the devil to get some wins? Um, you know, you know, I don't know. I think we're finally starting to see 
some of the gelling going on between certain partnerships. Um, I read an article on this exact same thing just a couple days ago. How you've got um, our new, what is it, right back? Yeah, Maria. Yeah, and um, I think it's Paredes above him, right? Yep. That are starting to gel. And then on the opposite side, you've got um, Blanco and, um, God, who am I thinking of? Are Blanco and Villafana? No. Um, he's our stalwart guy with heart. For some reason, I'm drawing a complete blank on him. I uh, just had a baby. Uh, Bueller. Bueller. God dang it. Why am I not thinking of Bueller? So, they, they, uh, so Bueller. they've got a little bit different synergy on their side where one hangs back and... and and one plays forward where the other that it's kind of a different combination so we're starting to see these pairings pair up we're actually starting to see our center backs gel right and they're actually starting to talk um that actually came up in that game on the television where the uh where they talked about how they were actually starting to communicate more and actually be vocal out there where they hadn't been in the past so i, th- I just think we're starting to see some of that st- stuff finally come together yeah i mean it's interesting to watch the team and watch some of the relationships kind of valentine that's who i was trying to think of yeah i mean i think the the relationships are good um i don't know i still feel like we're under talented for what else is out there yeah you know i have to agree there and in watching that game on saturday it it just kind of solidified for solidified it for me that Larry's either still nursing a big injury, or he's done. Um, granted, he's tied for most assists in the MLS right now, but he still just he doesn't have. He's like a half step slow. He's not attacking as much um, when he's not on ball. Uh, he's not defending as much up top like he used to do a lot of the times. He's just lost a lot of the the aggressive and, and uh, just all-out speed that he used to have. How was his touch this time? Because he had a lot of uh, turnovers. I didn't see this week's game. Yeah, this this week he still had some some pretty big turnovers for me. There was right. two that just stood out really big time. But it, it's cleaned up a little bit more. But it's still like his, his first touch is still a little too heavy. Mm. Um, his passes are fairly accurate uh he's still really good on set pieces but he's just lost a lot of what he had last year so do you feel that we have the right players to make a run at this thing i don't no i think and so what are the gaps where do you see that we're missing somebody uh we're we're definitely missing somebody in that midfield um you know, we've got Chara, but Chara can only play so much. I like Paredes, man. Paredes um, is playing out of his mind. Yeah, he's starting to play really well. He's starting to fill in that position. But when we look at where Valeri traditionally has played and where right. they're playing him now, he's playing more up top. Uh, now, whether that's because he's lost that half step or whatever, but we still need somebody up there that has speed, that can handle the ball really well on their first touch, can distribute. Right now, we don't have that player. 
Yeah, and so this is to me kind of that Nagby hangover, right? We still oh, never, yeah. <laughs> we still never gotten over over that Nagby hangover. Yeah, where we had somebody that could hang onto the ball and make those passes. His departure meant that Valeri had to do that, and that kind of worked out last year. They they didn't play the type of soccer that Gio wanted. So they played a lot of counter ball, but right. the gear went by. Everybody saw what they were doing. Everybody else upgraded in the league and can defend against that um, and dictate the game, for the most part, how they want to dictate it. Right. And Valeri still isn't Nagby. No. Valeri's not playing his game because he's still being pushed to play a game like Nagby. Right. Um, so it's, it's tough. This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago with this team was built... And really, the remnants of this team were built for Caleb. Right. And what Caleb was doing. And you still have a bunch of core pieces there that are not Geo's guys. We're starting to see Paredes and Maria. And then we're going to see this Brian Fernandez kid. Right. um, Who are Geo's guys. They're going to play the way Geo wants. And it'll be interesting to see, does Valeri fit into that? Does Blanco fit into that? Yeah, I don't know. Does Chara fit into that? Well, I think Chara fits in anywhere. I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, so we talked about this. You play a 4-4-2, who comes out, right? I put two attacking guys up top. Yeah, I mean, who do you pull out? But, I mean, from a defensive, just a pure defensive standpoint, you can't beat Chara. No, I agree. I mean, that guy's just an absolute menace in the midfield. But when he takes a step back, the same step that Valeri did. Oh, I yeah. Think we're both believers that yeah. Valeri's taking it's, a step it's back. It's going to eventually happen, but... Then what? So, yeah, it'll be... Shit, shit's going to hit the fan then. So, speaking of which, this Brian Fernandez kid played for uh, Next Kaka. Not Next Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they played uh, Monterey yesterday to a 2-2 draw. Uh, Fernandez scores. This is our future uh, nine. Could be a right wing, but... And so he scores early. Yeah. And so the rumor is, is when are we going to see this kid? Supposedly this kid's signed. He's ours. And there's still a couple games left to go in the Mexican League. And so there's this whole thing about what's going on. (laughs) They're not releasing him. They're not releasing him. We need him. So Brian scores. And then the next thing you know, he gets a red card. Ding. There's only a game left after that game last night. So guess what? Guess who's coming to town, baby? Brian now, now we know that for a fact that he's actually been released and kicked out. Well, we don't know if he's coming yet, but my my conspiracy theory <laughs> goes like this. Merritt says, hey, Brian. Do what you can to get this kid here. You know, you're fine. Score the goal. But I want you to get a red card in this last game. Because <laughs> then, you know what? I'll throw in a little, couple hundies for you. A couple hundies coming your way. <laughs> a couple lines of Coke. I mean, that was something like that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. But no Coke? No, no, no. Hold it, hold it. What the hell is that shit? No, no. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so he is suspended for the next game. My belief is that that was all planned. I'm a conspiracy guy. And uh, he's on his way to Portland right now. So is the, has the kid ever had a red card before? Ever? Uh, yeah, I can pull up the old transfer market and let's see. That's a good question. That would be interesting to see what is what is uh, what his history looks like. Yeah, you know, I mean, because if he's never had a red card ever up till that game, that would be interesting. So he has only one red card 
for the 1819 season. <laughs> um, he had five yellow cards for the entire season. Well, yeah, that's not bad. No, it's not bad. Um, so let's see. We're going to the history. That's interesting. Only one for a whole 2019, though. I mean, that says a lot. Yeah, right. I mean, I, and I don't. I don't think he's a guy that's going to get a ton. I mean, I don't. We'll see here. National team honors, rumors, transfers, market value, stats. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So I only see a couple of red cards here. So my uh, my deal stands true. Merit, good job. Way to get your guy here. A couple hundies. Tucked casually, that whole fold him up in your palm, shake the hand, say, just take care of this agent. Well, I, I just thought they tucked him into strippers' garments. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Wow. <laughs> so, well, uh, so Brian Fernandez uh, will come to Portland, so we'll have to see how that works out. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of high hopes. I hope he picks up where he left off in uh, the Mexican League and dominates this thing. That'd so, be nice. Hopefully nice free, to see. Up, free up Valeria and free up Blanco to kind of roam her a little bit, draw some people. Yeah, especially since we're actually starting to see some consistency uh, throughout our play over the last couple of games. Totally. Well, so uh, still drinking this uh, glowing, fizzy yellow beer. Mm. Not a chilada. Not a chilada. So uh, we had the opportunity to have a Kolsch on that note over at TED Talks. I went to TEDx Portland on Saturday, hence the reason I didn't watch the game. Guess who was there? Ted. You got 3,300 people to guess from. I'm going to guess one. Timber Timber Joey. Nope. Timber Jim. No, jeez. Close. I was like, holy shit, he's going to get this. Yeah, Timber Jim was there. Of course, he's alumni. Which is awesome. Spread the love. His his topic several years ago. And so Timber Jim in the audience, sitting down low, but... I went with uh, my lovely wife and uh, her friend, and we watched TEDx Portland. Pretty, pretty uh, prestigious ev- event. Yeah, uh, a lot of mon- not a lot of Nike money there. I mean, there's uh, a bunch of Nike stuff going on. <laughs> not a lot of money. Yeah, good times. Tons, tons of money, tons of money. So, uh, but if you get a chance to go to an event like a TEDx event, go check out TEDx Portland. They announced at the very end, so for, I think, four or five years, it's been at the Keller Auditorium. Started in the armory over by the Henry Weinhardt building. One of the coolest buildings in Portland, in my opinion. It's a cool building. And then, that building. Then it moved, once it got big enough, to the Portland Art Museum, and then finally went to Keller, and they're maxed out. They can only host 3,300 people, I think. Yeah. So they said this is the last year for a while at Keller. We're so moving it to the Moda Center. They want more. So they're going to, I believe, 7,000 is what they're going to. Theater of the Clouds, 7,000. <laughs> yep, it just got way busy. But the Huge. cool thing, they're going to drop the price. Really? Yeah, so instead of being like a couple hundred bucks a ticket, that comes down. We're guessing it's going to be right around in the Hundy figure. Hmm. You, you know who's got Hundies? Um... Is this a trick question? Brian Fernandez. Yeah. Thanks, Merritt. <laughs> From Merritt. <laughs> so. Merritt's, Merritt's hundies. He's got hundies in his undies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, TEDx Portland. Fantastic. Um, I guess a couple of takeaways I got from that, besides some great beer, was that uh, we need to be eating local. 
Uh, we don't eat local enough. Farmers are a uh, hurting unit right now. So there's a lady called, I don't remember the lady's name, but she's got a company called milkrun.org and essentially connects farmers from around the area to basically you. And so you can order food, uh, fruits and vegetables and eggs and fresh milk and meats and have them delivered to your house, kind of like the old milkman style. Yeah, so it's like a farm-to-table for public. It's fantastic, dude. Dig it. Um, except our zip code is not in the delivery area. What the heck? <laughs> I know. I'm like, we live in Washington County, like up against the farms. I was going to we... say, you're like right on the edge of farmland. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that figures out. So, but I talked to Cameron at dinner, and I'm like, if a smart guy like you wanted to be like super rich, you basically would find a way to do this. Like, get a car, get something, and start delivering farmers' foods to people's houses. I'm slow, dude. Hang on. <laughs> Now, you can't judge the color by my glass because it's got a red bottom. All right. I just shot that. Holy crap. Yup. Wow. So almost a half a thing of beer. All right. So that's ambery. That's not golden. Neon yellow. Mm, got a that... hell of a head on it, though. That's what she said. And that one just got cloudy as you poured that in. What the hell? That looks like a, a little uh, little homerge. Hmm. Hmm. My palate's a little rocky. You better go drink some salt water. Hmm. That's malt forward. Not sure what that is. It totally just threw me for a loop. I thought that was going to be your pail, your IPA. <laughs> Preconceived notions will get you nowhere. Well, the funny thing is, when you poured it, this is an amber-colored beer. It was yeah. almost kind of hazy but i could see through it yeah and then towards the end of the bottle yeah a little a little uh extra crap felt yeah some there. residual yeah yeah interesting kind of threw me all right well i'm going to kolsch on the first one okay and i'm going amber ale on the second one i just haven't figured out whose amber ale this who's, is who's amber um really hot chick does <laughs> farm to door well that first beer it had to be like a lemon lime coal sure um you're gonna kick yourself in the ball rise door of coal nah sure. i wouldn't do that to you twice fucker <laughs> what do we got here now oh this is long first oh, yeah. one is long's pilsner long's german pilsner. style lager yeah there you go i'll go with that and the second one... Yeah. German-style pills, right? Yeah, he has a pill. Yeah, German-style pills. And the second one is... Oktoberfest. There it is. Well, I said malty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Day Arms Oktoberfest. That's good. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, you said you had uh, only a couple more of those left in the fridge. You know, it's funny. Um, did you find more? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, picking through the small beer, fr beer fridge to see what I had left in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm noticing I still have four pumpkin freaking beers in there from <laughs> the taste thing we were supposed to do with Jamie two years ago. Thank you, Jamie. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Appreciate it, Jamie. But then I started pulling out other bottles and I was like, huh. I found three more of the uh, oatmeal milk chocolate stouts. 
Oh. Which is a bonus. And then I found four bottles of the Oktoberfest. Wow. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I take one of these Pilsner from Long's Over, wrap it up in foil, see what, see if we can figure out what it is, and then do the same thing with that Oktoberfest just to see what we get. That no, was well done. Digging it, dude. And I always like a good Marzen, dude. That's it's holding over pretty well. No oxidization. Well, and that's what I was just thinking. I was thinking I'm not tasting any oxid oxidization in there at all, which is really kind of nice because yeah. I would have figured it would have had some oxid oxidation in there by now. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. So uh, you, well, how do we want to start this? Um, I brewed today. <laughs> yes, you did. So there you go. And uh, went pretty a clean, pretty okay brew day. I mean, we were only out there for a few hours. Um, and I think we were done by 1220, 1230, somewhere yeah, there. Yeah, 1220. And, I mean, that's done and cleaned up. Like, everything was cleaned, ready to rock. Yeah. So. And I didn't even come over till 945, yeah, no, roughly. We, so. Things just kind of flowed today. So, I think... Uh, I would owe that to, I did a lot of uh, pre-boil of water. Yeah. So during the lag times, I made sure that we was we was doing something. Right, right. And uh, we was boiling water. Yeah, it's funny because my brew day that I did a couple of weeks ago was the exact same thing. It just went super smooth. It was a lot shorter than what I'm used to having. Uh, got a lot done during the brew day that usually is just kind of hectic all over the place. Right, just leaving and shit it, around to clean up afterwards yeah, and some of that. Yeah, it no. just all flowed perfectly. Um, so I brewed a Kawanda Cream Ale clone, the one that Debbie loves from last year. Kawanda! I'm 99% sure that I've identified the source of my... Butter beer. Your butter. So I'm guessing uh, this thing's going to be dialed in, and here in about three weeks, we'll know. I'll be popping it into a uh, into the fridge and lagering it out, seeing how it goes. Cool, cool. So uh, and it's already bubbling, which is a good sign. Yeah. So brought it down to sixty nine. Sixty nine. <laughs> and uh, pitched the yeast, and within a couple hours, we were gurgling away. So. Good to go. But I pulled a U-Trick where uh, I'm, I'm using two bags of yeast. A little bit more expensive. It is. Um, but in my opinion, you can't miss. You know what? The- I mean, you've, you've got healthy yeast pitch that way, and it just works out really well. You know what pisses me off about yeast? What's that? Those damn smack packs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those smack packs are a pain <laughs> in my ass. They're dead. You know, I've I've had trouble with the last few that I've tried. Just trying to even locate them in in the bag itself, and then trying to get them to burst, and, and know that you got them to burst. So um, a smack pack for those that don't know, pain in the ass. You have a foil pack that's refrigerated of yeast, and so there's a yeast culture that's in this thing, and then there's a like a Ziploc bag but sealed, <clears throat> and it's definitely a hell of a lot thicker than a Ziploc bag, right? in the yeast pack so in the foil bag so the deal is you're not supposed to open it up at all you're supposed to smack that pack to break the pack which is full of nutrients then the yeast starts eating it it kind of gets a jump start 
It you can let it go for about three or four hours. Bag starts to swell. Then you add that to your wort as your uh, as it as it begins to cool down. Right. <clears throat> and the smack pack, the little nutrient pack. <laughs> Man, that son of a bee. Sometimes it's almost impossible Dude, to locate I had him. two of them of the identical on it. And, like, I'd smack it and shoot to the other side of the foil, and I'd smack that other side. I'm like, I'm going to bust the bag before yeah. I bust the smack pack. Right. I'm going to end up with yeast all over the place, and there's going to be a freaking smack pack that's unburst. Yeah. Well, so I, when I was adding the yeast, I'm always afraid about, like, dropping the smack pack into the worst right. too is the other thing. Yeah. So I'm like, I pull it open. I'm taking a look at it. I'm trying to like make sure I don't pour that thing out. Dude, one of my smack packs, like half of the nutrients was still, still in it. it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, Jesus. So, but oh well. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that those guys figure out a new way to do that yeast. Yeah, you know, I mean, the bag swelled. It works, but it's a pain in the freaking ass. Yeah, to there's, the there's got to be a, a different way to, to deliver that nutrient. Yeah. So, um,. Let's see, what else? So, had the summer ale. We cracked that bad boy the other night. Yes. Had a campfire on yeah. Friday. Yep. Had everybody over. Good old Johnny and his wife, Train. Yep. Andrew. Um, Tiffany. Andrew, Tiffany. And then... Nikki Will, and Will. Will and Nikki. And you and Deb and I. And me, myself, and I. And we drank the hell out of that summer ale that I brewed. And I got to tell you, it's a little water, a little bit more watery than I thought. Which was weird, because usually when a beer is going to be watery tasting, the whole thing's watery tasting. But it wasn't on the front. But it wasn't. It was, yeah, you had that, that great hop, or not hop, great uh, great flavor on the front end Malt, of the maltiness. Yeah. And then it's, it it hit a certain point, and then it just like, the back end was water. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? And then, but after you'd had a but couple pints of it? After it warmed up, too. If it was sitting in the glass after it warmed up or after you had a couple pints, that watery taste went away. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't know what the deal was. Good carbonation, good, I mean, good beer, great taste to it. So, but I equated it to good 90 degree day. I could drink that all freaking day outside. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect hot weather beer. Perfect hot weather beer. And you know what? A little watery, so you could uh, hydrate. Maybe. So. Or it could be one of those trick beers that that water on the back end is just you missing out on the high alcohol that was hitting you up front. <laughs> well, that is the one with the vodka-soaked uh, vanilla beer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. So, uh, so three beers later, you're staggering around going, what the hell was yeah, that? No shit. So uh, you brought over an IPA and a residual. At that time, you thought it was your last oatmeal chocolate stout. Yeah, I thought it was, and by God, it wasn't. Um, I got lucky and, and found four in the fridge. That's fantastic. <laughs> and then you brewed a um, Kolsch. Yes. Yeah, I've got the, the Kolsch is in the tank right now. Um, as of tomorrow, it will have been in there for one week. It's got one more full week that I wanted to have it... Uh, condition in there and then i'll bottle bottle condition for four weeks and then it'll be ready to drink yeah that's gonna be fantastic so just in time for the hot weather we'll have a little colshish um i'm we're having the cinco de mayo party next weekend yeah Yeah. so i plan on burning this summer ale uh at the cinco de mayo party right i don't think we'll have a ton of uh 
I'm sure people will bring beer, but how drinkable this thing was, perfect Cinco de Mayo beer. Go right down. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. a slice of lemon with it or something. Oh, yeah. 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 Or a lime. Could do a lime. Either or, or. What if we did an orange? Oh, that might be amazing. Yeah, with a vanilla, vanilla yeah. orange. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Pull that out just a little bit. So, uh, yeah, a little Cinco de Mayo party. We'll open that up and do it. But, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is um, all the spent grain. So I had about 10 pounds of spent grain slash flaked barley for the recipe today. Yeah, and I had like 8 pounds of spent grain for mine. Yeah, and so um, mine usually ends up in the recycle bin. Yeah. Where do you put yours? Unfortunately, mine goes directly to the landfill. Um, wow. And I would love to find an alternative source for that, but I live in a condo. Um, so any listeners out there that have chickens? Or pigs. Or pigs. Yeah, let me know. Um, yeah, granted, it's not going to be a, a ton of grain on a super frequency, but I do have spent grain time from time to time. And um, as I'm picking up more and more brews and brewing more beer, that's actually going to become a more common thing. And I'd, I would rather give it to somebody that can utilize it than just throw it in a landfill. So I got an idea. I think we should buy a pig. Where's it going to stay? Summer Lake Field. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, I, I've i actually been thinking. Is so it going to be a pot-bellied pig? Nope. Or or boar. It's gonna be a hog. <laughs> We're gonna name him Boss Hog. The Summer Lake Feral Hog. Boss Hog. <laughs> so uh, no, I've been thinking about this thing. So we've been talking a lot about this, and um, especially this time of year, I'm fighting the yard debris with how much grass clippings I've got. Right. Yeah. So the last thing I have is room for another ten pounds of spent grain. Right. Um, and then it kind of kills me that I take this spent grain and we've tried drying it out and that's a grinding it up. Long arduous process. Yeah. So we've done that, and then I'm not sure from an energy consumption standpoint that that's necessarily the like yeah. most green thing. Yeah, I definitely would say it's not. <laughs> um, and from if, from my experience of doing it. And if you leave it outside, then it ferments, right? Like so, if you just let it dry naturally, the damn thing ferments. Right. So there's got to be a way to spread it, let it dry, repackage it, send it off to whoever wants it. Yeah, or you put it in the drums like Paul does, and then he's got local farmers that come pick it up. Yeah, but the question, this is what I wonder on that, too, with Paul's. He's putting it in the drums, but there's still a a really good chance that there's fermentation happening there or that it's starting to rot. Yeah, I think it ferments before it rots, right? Because, yeah. I mean, the natural yeast kind of takes over right. and does its thing. And So then the question is, are you getting, like, the pigs or the chickens hammered? Probably. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of like Kobe beef, but it's like... <laughs> but better. Paul's pork. <laughs> it's a whole new thing. <laughs> they call it hammered chicken. Yeah. Greg the hammered chicken. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's something I've given thought to, and so we need to figure out a better way there. But So I was poking around online, and in that vein of TED Talks, yeah, um, ran across a gentleman by the name of Dan Kurzrock, and he did a TED Talk uh, a couple of years ago on Have Your Beer and Eat It Too. And it's a TED Talk on spent grain and homebrewing. So he probably does, like, spent grain recipes. 
Nope. So yeah, I, I think I think he his deal is how do we feed other people with the spent grain? Right. So, yep. And so I thought we'd uh, kind of close out this week's podcast by listening to a little bit about what he has to say about this topic, and then I figured we'd regroup after it and talk about lessons learned. But um, it's it's definitely down what we were talking about with. Again, we've got all of this extra grain every time we're brewing, and we're brewing great beer. Right. But we've got to do something with this grain that's a little bit more responsible than what we're doing. Exactly. I totally agree. So let's give uh, Dan a listen, and we'll come back and close out this podcast with some thoughts on what we can do, maybe, uh, homebrew-wise, to, uh, again, give our grain a second life. One out of seven Americans are unsure where their next meal will come from. At the same time, we waste 40% of all edible food. Now remember, food waste not only squanders nourishment that could feed people, but also the resources that it took to grow that food. For example, in the last year, 21% of all fresh water went to irrigate crops that were never eaten. Concurrently, food waste is a massive environmental concern. If its emissions were to be aggregated and measured as a country, food waste would be the third greatest contributor of greenhouse gases right after the U.S. and China. Now, I think it's clear to a lot of us that food waste is the dumbest social and environmental problem of our day, and thankfully, businesses, governments, people like us have come together in the last years to solve it. I'm here because with my partner, Jordan Schwartz, we created one of those businesses that sees the food waste problem as an opportunity to do well by doing good. And I'm here with you to share our story from underage home brewers baking loaves of bread in a fraternity kitchen to the global arena. My goal is for you to feel inspired to look out in the world and find an area that you can make a difference and take action and live with passion. Now, the company that we started is called Regrained, and my shirt should give you a little bit of an idea of what we do. There's a quick poll of the audience. Who's ever had a beer? Be honest. All right, now keep your hand up if you've ever eaten a beer. Nice, a few of you. Very good. Now, we started this business that has to do with food waste, but that 40% number completely overlooks a lot of edible byproducts. In our case, we're obsessed with beer waste. Now, I know what you're thinking. And no, we're not talking about those wounded soldiers that are left behind the morning after a party. What we're talking about is the highly nutritious, incredibly delicious food that is created during the beer brewing process, but left behind. You see, it takes massive amounts of grain to brew beer, approximately one pound of grain per six pack, and there is no way to brew beer without using this grain, yet only the sugars from the grain are needed to make beer. All the protein, the fiber, the micronutrients, those are left behind. Now, this is a photo that we took outside of a single brewery in a single day. 
Now, there are dozens of these breweries in every city around the world. At Regreen, we have invented a way of rescuing this nutrition and turning it into what is a highly versatile grain blend that performs incredibly well across food applications. In essence, we've created a new kind of flour. Now, some of you may have heard that beer is liquid bread. What I'm here to tell you is that the leftovers from beer can be turned into a whole lot of bread. This is going to blow your mind. If we took a year's worth of grain from the nearly six billion gallons of beer that we consumed in the last year, yes, we drink six billion gallons of beer a year, and we regrained it into our flour, we could create enough bread so that every American could have 34 loaves. Or to put it in sweeter terms, for all you math nerds, that's a 1,362 cookies, give or take a few. For every American. Regrained is a sustainable food brand built around upcycling this super grain that's left behind by the beer brewing process. We've started with a line of snack bars and we're going so much further. This is the circular economy for food, or as we like to call it, edible upcycling. Now, the awesome thing about upcycling is that it takes a look at our planet's resources and tries to get them to the highest possible use. In the case of edible upcycling, we're looking at our favorite food and beverage products and taking what those processes may leave behind and creating more food. Now, with our technology and products, we are elevating the secret edible powerhouse that's left behind by the beer brewing process to the hero status that it deserves. We're closing the loop between the brewing industry and the food system, and if we're successful, we'll upcycle billions of pounds of food. We're here to create a new environmental and economic standard that makes the right thing of how to handle this waste, or would-be waste, the easy thing. But the craziest part of all is that if you had asked me this six years ago when I was at UCLA, I wouldn't have told you any of this. Back then and still today, Jordan and I were two buddies united by a passion for entrepreneurship, for sustainability, for food, and for beer. And we stumbled upon an idea and we took one small step after another. And we had so much fun tinkering with Regrand that it's now a passion that we share as a full-time venture with a team of eight. We've had the privilege of launching a brand that's moving into national distribution, and we're in, the, in discussions with some of the world's largest food and beverage companies to explore partnerships. It also blows my mind that we have literally invented technology with the USDA that we're filing patents on. And we've had the fortune of being able to tell our story to millions as food waste thought leaders, thanks to global media coverage and platforms like TED. Today, we are living the dream of pursuing our passions, and I am assured by some very smart people that it'll be a six-year overnight success. The thing is that Regrain may no longer be a hobby. We truly have evolved a lot, but the key is, is that we're still having just as much fun. So at the end of the day, it all starts with, an, at the beginning of the day, actually, it all starts with an idea. People ask us all the time how we came up with ours, and I have the absolute privilege of being able to say, well, here. As the story goes, as undergraduates, Jordan and I took to home brewing our own beer, which is a hobby that our mothers were just as thrilled with as we were. 
Now, every time we made a batch of beer, we were left with pounds and pounds of this grain. It felt that we weren't just making beer, that we were making food, but we didn't have anything to do with the food besides throw it away. We certainly didn't have farm animals. We didn't have compost. All we had was the dump. But you know what we realized we had in bountiful supply? That might be in here in the room. We had party animals. And they're hungry. And we thought that if we could bake and loaves of bread, maybe we could sell them on campus. Our original vision was literally to sell enough loaves of bread that we just might be able to brew beer for free. Now I know what you're thinking, this isn't exactly as altruistic as that big worldly vision I laid out earlier. Forgive me. But at scale, what we're doing is we're looking to build a platform between the brewing industry and the food system. And if we're successful, Regrain Supergrain should be able to be found in every aisle of the grocery store, both as our products and as a signature ingredient in others. From savory to sweet, we continue to be blown away by how versatile and delicious our grain is. But the best part of all is that every product that we come up with, every partnership that we strike, every sale that we generate, sure, it helps us grow our business, and this is crucial, but it also brings us one step closer to our mission. We're simultaneously reducing waste and feeding people. The point here is that it's impossible to know where your great idea will end up, but it is easy to know where it starts. So keep your eyes open, keep your heart open, recognize when that moment is happening to you and take action. You gotta do something about it. And along the way, you can hold your vision subject to improvement just like we did and still stay true to the core of your mission. The core of our mission has always been to creatively upcycle waste. Over time, we've just allowed our means to evolve. So, Please, get out there and do it. Take action on your ideas. Do it because you love it and because the world needs it, because you believe in yourself and your ability to pull it off. You do not have to start a business to build a career, a life of lasting, meaningful value. Focus on what matters. And most importantly, please, don't be afraid to, have your, to want to have your beer and eat it too. Cheers and thank you. Well, there it is. Ba-ding, bing. You ready to go into business? No. We're going to make flour <clears throat> and granola bars. Yeah. No? No. It's, um, it's been done. Well, it's not because it's been done. <laughs> it's because I've tried that process. <laughs> it's very time and very... Uh, how how can I say this? Um, it's very labor intensive. And um, the energy, the amount of energy is the amount crazy. of energy that takes to dry that grain out is disgusting. What I mean, you had it in for like eight hours in the oven. Yeah, eight hours in the oven. Now, granted, the oven was on the lowest setting, right? Because we didn't want to burn a, it. And I've got a gas stove, but still, eight hours. Yeah, that's a long, long time. Um, where I could see this, this application working out really, really well is where you have like these big kitchens or these big restaurants that are, are constantly baking or cooking something in an oven. Right. So you could just throw it in there as a byproduct of if they're baking, whatever you throw the grain in there to dry out, pull it out eight hours later, boom, done. Um, 
The other thing that I, I really hope these guys have found a way to use the grain 100% in what they're doing. Because all the recipes that I've ever found for spent grain, it's only a percentage of the of the flour bill. Right. Yeah, so I'm looking at this. I'm looking at their webpage. It's called Regrained. If you go to regrain.com, um, you'll see it. And uh, they got a little ticker here, and it says 48,841 pounds of super green has been upcycled. So it's not a huge number um, by any means, but certainly that's... It's a bunch of grain. That is that a bunch of grain. Didn't go to the landfill. Yeah, yeah. Forty-eight thousand pounds. That's quite a bit. So, anyways, interesting stuff. Interesting concept. Gets me thinking. Um, it's either that we're gonna like uh, turn it into flour, or we're gonna buy a pig. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea. Um, I just wonder what their processes are. What if we bought a pig, fed oh, some of the grain to the pig? Yeah. And then made maple bars, and then made bacon maple bars. Bacon maple bars from the pig. See, that's that's whole right there. And then you use the methane from the pig shit to uh, <laughs> to to create your flame to dry out the grain. Dry out the grain and do your beer. That's right. Also, do your mash and all that other stuff, right? And fertilize the hop field. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we might be onto something. <laughs> It's a circle of life. I'm gonna break into pig farming. Pig farming, regraining, and methane production. Yep. Well, buddy, that's all I got. You got anything else for the good of the order? No, that's it. That's all I got. Well, I'm stepped out. Another episode. Two more beers down. <laughs> Shout outs to uh, Dan Kurzrock from Regrained. Uh, thanks for letting us watch your podcast yeah. or your TED Talk, rather. Your TED Talks. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Rogue. Excellent IPA. Excellent Kolsch. Thanks for letting me take home a bottle, which I'm appreciative of. And yes. um, what else we got? So uh, I think that's all we got. So. See you at Summer Lake Soccer. See you at uh, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. And the next time that we're with you podcast listeners, we'll be drinking chiladas. Chilada abada. We're out of here. Tim Beers. Out. supposed to prove.